Mogu Motivation, educating and empowering entrepreneurs one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media. And I am your host, Antoine Twiz Taylor. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mogu Motivation. Welcome back. I'm happy that you are here. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is for the aspiring entrepreneur who is trying to get over that hump and make it happen. This podcast is for anybody who has a dream that wants to aspire higher and accomplish that dream. This is the first Monday conversation of 2018, and I am delighted to have with me Tia Chambers. She is a certified financial education instructor, a financial coach, as well as the founder and operator of Financially Fit and Fabulous, a blog that is geared towards helping millennials keep their finances fit and in great shape. Tia, how are you doing this morning? I am wonderful. So glad to be here with you in the new year. Yes, yes. Likewise, likewise. And, you know, we're basically about to kick off 2018 with a bang. And we're going to help people, you know, get started with smart money and financial goals. Um, That's why you're here. You know, you're the expert on that. So real quick, I just want to ask you, um, tell us a little bit about your background. Like, you know, how did you basically end up becoming a financial coach? How did you know that this was your passion? Yes, thank you so much. That was a great question. So I have almost nine years of experience in the financial industry between banking, uh, student loan, everyone's uh, favorite auntie, Sally Mae, uh-huh. least favorite auntie, um, as well as investing. So I have quite a bit of experience in the financial realm. Okay. Um, and I actually started a website before Financially Fit and Fab, and it was called Naturally Fit and Fab. So on that website, I talked about my journey to wearing my hair natural and exercising more regularly. Um, and although I did it fairly consistently for about a year, my friends would continually ask me about money. Mm-hmm. They would ask me, how do I save more money? How do I travel cheap? How do I start investing? It was just all the time. So you know, I realized I really like to talk about money. I really like to help people. Uh, I really like to encourage people, especially now working in an investment environment when I see clients that have millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them are taught at an early age about investing. But just because you're not taught about it at the early age doesn't mean it's not too late. That's why it really is my goal to see someone if it's, you know, you didn't have a budget today and next week you have a budget. Or if you didn't have money saved for emergency, next time that emergency comes, you do have the money. So it just really puts a smile on my face to see people, you know, achieve things they didn't believe they could achieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you said, um, you know, just because you didn't learn it early doesn't mean you don't you can't, you know, learn it later on in life. And I feel like that's a struggle that a lot of uh, black American millennials struggle with you know i know that's one thing that i struggle with because i never really had anyone that educated me on uh the importance of credit and you know um all of these different things you know i, I had to learn those things as i went you know unfortunately so I'm, I'm very glad that you mentioned that yeah great statement you made i actually was at a conference about a month ago and uh david bach was there and he wrote a book called the automatic millionaire okay he basically focuses on not having a budget per se but just making small lifetime changes that will add up tremendously to help you retire young and have wealth. But he said his grandmother bought him his first stock. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome that happened to him, but for a lot of us, that's that's not reality. Yeah. So it's like, what can we do now to still achieve that financial wellness? Absolutely. So what can we do, Tia, 
in 2018 to basically get on the right track. Let's start going through the process and, you know, the things that you, the nuggets that you can drop for us on how we can, you know, start 2018 off on the right track, but, you know, just turn around our lives financially, not just for entrepreneurs, but for anybody. Great question. So it honestly starts with your mindset and what you believe you can achieve. One of my favorite sayings is if you say you're broke, you're always going to be broke. Yeah. So stop saying you're broke. Stop saying you don't have money. It's okay to say I'm on a budget because that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be frugal. It's not a bad thing to maximize your money. But if you say you're broke, that has such a negative connotation. It means you're lacking. You don't have enough. So it starts with your mindset. You know, I do have enough. I will have enough. Um, so even little, I, do you do any affirmations by any chance? Yeah, yeah, Aff- yeah. Um, affirmations are definitely a big part of my personal life. So even if it's as simple as, you know, if your goal is to pay off your student loans, you know, thinking positively about that student loan, I will pay off my student loans. You know, if your goal is to earn more income as an entrepreneur, you think about what your goal is. So one of my goals is to earn five figures in my business in 2018 per month. So if I say that every day. I will earn five figures each month. I will earn five figures each month. It's ingrained in my mind, so I have no choice but to do that. No, I'm a very big believer in, you know, um, whatever you feed yourself becomes reality. You know what I'm saying? So if you, you know, like you say, if you constantly say you're broke, you're going to be broke. If you constantly say you're stupid, you're going to be stupid. It's, It's all about creating that positive atmosphere for yourself so that, you know, not only you can achieve your goals, but you can basically start to help other people around you achieve those goals as well exactly and i think another thing in society we always praise like oh i got a new car oh i bought a house which those are are great things but we can also praise oh i paid off my student loans oh i you know paid off my credit car mm-hmm. oh i paid cash for my last car so it's also not being afraid celebrate your accomplishments with your community and if you don't have anyone to share you can share it with me and I will clap and dance for you and be excited for you because those are great things to achieve once we start achieving that consistency and that wealth you can move on to longer term passive income ideas but you have to start somewhere gotta start somewhere so when it um so starting now you know how how should a person start to build a budget you know what what are some steps that they take to really get that process going? Great, great question. So it ultimately comes down to spending less than you earn. Okay. So the way that I make a budget, it doesn't have to be a formal, fancy document, is literally writing down all my bills. So how much is your rent or mortgage? How much is your cell phone bill? How much is your light bill? And so on. Write down everything. And then also write down how much you make each month. But while you're writing down your expenses, don't forget to write down, you know, how much you spend on food because food is a a big expense for me or realistic. I'm not saying you can't ever shop, but it's good to know how much money you have to shop and to be realistic. So, you know, write down, okay, in January, I'm going to spend X number on food. I'm going to spend X number on shopping Um, and then subtract those two numbers. If you notice that, man, I don't have any money left, it's negative, then it's time to go through and say, okay, what can I cut out? Like, do I really need cable? I know me personally, when I bought my house about two years ago, 
I said, I'm not going to have cable. It's a $100 bill that I do not need. I could be doing other things. So I cut that out. Or, you know, there are other things that you may be able to cut out as well. Say you love to eat out. You eat out often. Maybe you can only eat out once a month instead of regularly because you want to save money and you want to make sure that you're um, spending less than you make. So that's the biggest thing is writing down all those expenses, writing down your income. If there's a misbalance there, then it's figuring out what you can cut out expenses-wise or, and even both, how you can make extra money. Yes. You know, it's okay to drive for Uber on the weekends. Um, you can start a business. Obviously, probably most of the listening to this podcast are starting their own business. But even if starting your own business isn't your key thing, there are other ways to make money. And don't let anyone hate on whatever way you choose. Just find a way to use your skills to make extra money. So, you know, basically, we, we have to literally know where every penny is going, you know. And I feel like a lot of people get intimidated you know, and they're afraid to really do that. A lot of people are afraid to check their bank accounts and, you know, basically do what you said, you know, write down literally every expense that they have because deep down inside they know that things aren't going right. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like we want to ignore it, but we have to know where every penny is going. So writing down every expense, you know, and then increasing your income. So that's basically what you're saying is how we can get the ball rolling, not only in 2018, but to reverse our life. Exactly, exactly. And a key point with all of that is, say you're not the best for writing things down, there are apps to help you with your budgeting as well. One of my favorite apps, which is a free app, is called Mint.com. Okay. Uh, so with Mint.com, you can link up your bank accounts. If you have student loans or car loans, credit cards, mortgage, you can link everything up. And it will show you what you're bringing in in terms of income-wise, but also what's going out in terms of expenses. It'll also help you create a budget automatically, as well as create goals. Because once you have that budget down, if you don't have money saved away, that's one of the first things you want to do is work on an emergency fund. Uh, typically, an emergency fund is three to six months of your income. But if you don't have anything, don't let that large amount scare you. Start with $1,000 and work your way up. Mint.com has the tools to automatically say, hey, hey, Tia, hey, it's time to save 200 this month. You got it. Save it so we can reach our goal. I've, I've heard of Mint. I haven't used it personally. I, I personally use Digit. I love Digit. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Digit, you know, mm -hmm. about how they basically they pull random amounts of money out of your bank account. Um, you know, depending on how much money you have in there, of course, you can always, you know, tell them to take more, tell them to take less. Digit has worked great for me. You know, I started using it in 2017 and I was like, wow, like this is probably one of the best savings, you know, tools that I've ever had. Yes, it did say is a great tool as well. I used it back in 2017 for a while myself because it literally saves money. And you don't even know it. You don't even miss it because exactly. it really analyzes your spending habits and saves what it thinks you can do without. Exactly. That's I love Digit, and I um it was this other uh, savings challenge that I try. I, I I've been doing it for the past few years. Um, it's basically like the the uh, money week challenge or whatever it's called. Basically, you save a dollar for the first week, two dollars for week two, three dollars for week three of the year, and so on and so on. And that's very effective as well. I haven't got through the entire year yet, but I'm making that a goal of mine to get through the entire year for 2018 doing that. 
And I have a hint for that, what may help you. There's another savings app. It's called Capital. It's Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. Mm-hmm. So Capital has all of those types of savings tools. But instead of you manually having to move money into your savings account or take cash out, it'll do it for you. So um, in terms of worrying about not reaching it, Mm -hmm. um, it'll automatically move the money for you. Uh, Another idea, I actually have a money-saving challenge on the site. Um, It's trying to do a reverse money challenge. So instead of saving $1, then $2, starting with $52 and $51. Although it can seem intimidating, Mm. if you think about it, during December is when Christmas and big expenses hit. So it's harder to save more money in December. So it may, with tax time and other things, be easier to start with the larger amounts in January. Mm, that's actually interesting, you know, the, the reverse side of it, you know, because a lot of people, you know, it's easier to start. And then obviously the higher you get, the harder it gets. But if you start out on the high end, basically, as the year goes on, you know, it basically becomes easier and easier to save. That's actually pretty dope. Exactly, yeah. It becomes easier with time, definitely. Okay, so the first step was mindset, right? You know, you said we have to change our mindset and stop telling ourselves that we're broke, tell ourselves that we can reverse the curse of, you know, financial illiteracy and, you know, um, not having enough money. That's the first step. Then the second step is creating that budget, right? So now we created our budget. We see where our expenses are going. We see how much income we have coming in. And we've made our steps to get more income, right? Whether it be Uber, Amazon Flex, or, you know, whatever it is. What do we do now? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, now that we're starting to, you know, get above water, what do we do now as far as, you know, our money? How do we continue to get it to grow and, you know, keep these good habits going? Sure. So one thing we already talked about was saving. So once you really have that budget down packed, it's important to start saving. Um, but once you get in the rhythm of saving, so whether it's through a, like a money challenge or an app like Digit, it's important to grow your money for the long term. Um, so one quote that I love to say is those of you that are millennials like myself will need $1.8 million to retire. Wow. $1.8 million. That, yeah, that, that is a lot of but the, the, the good news is it's not too late to start. So similar to the apps we mentioned for savings, there are apps to save um, for retirement and for investing. So one of my favorite apps that I talk about quite a bit is Acorns. Um, it's just A-C-O-R-S dot com. So Acorns literally rounds your spare change. But instead of rounding it into like a savings account, it's rounded into an investment account for you. So then you run it into an ETF. Uh, what an ETF is is an exchange-traded fund, which is a mix of stocks and bonds. So basically, your money is growing in the stock market. That's definitely one option so you can try to grow your wealth. Because we want to, one, know where money is going, like we talked about with the budget, then start saving. But once we save and have money for emergencies, it's time to start growing our wealth. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there are definitely multiple ways to grow your wealth. Obviously, one is a stock market. I mean, but real estate property is another as well. It's just getting your money together to be able to achieve those next goals to really build wealth. So the stock market and the real estate are two of the uh, primary things that people talk about when it comes to building wealth, right? Um, you just yes. said you just purchased your house. Um, what are some ways to, you know, as far as like the real estate goes, um, a lot of people, they, they say they want to buy property, they want to buy a home. You know, what, what are some tips real quick as a side note that you feel people should take when it comes to getting into real estate? Sure. So definitely number one tip is your credit. 
So if you haven't checked your credit score lately or looked at your credit report lately, that is the number one thing. So make sure you have a good credit score. The higher your credit score, the easier it will be for lenders to work with you, but it'll also be cheaper in the long run in terms of the interest rate. Mm-hmm. So definitely get that credit together. Um, secondly is have money saved up. Uh, they always say you, you should have 20% um, in order to purchase your first home in terms of a down payment. That's not always realistic, um, but nowadays there are some first-time home buyer programs where you only need like between three and five percent, depending on the program. Um, but you do want to have money saved up for that. Um, you know, if one thing I guess a, a key if you're thinking about doing real estate investing, which I wish I'd have known before, is like house hacking. So house hacking is basically when you buy a duplex as like your first home per se and get a, a really good interest rate and loan deal but you rent the second part of the house out and those people that you're renting to are actually paying for your mortgage. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I wish I have known about because I'm, I may have done that. So it's a way to buy your first home as well as have a rental property at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Dan, eventually, you know, when you have enough money to get another home, now you have two tenants that's basically paying for the building itself, you know? Exactly. I have a friend who who did the house hacking, and her tenant literally pays her mortgage because her mortgage might be you know a thousand a dollars a month, and that's what her tenant pays. So she's of course responsible for the upkeep and such. But when she's ready to move on and get another house, she can just find a renter, and she's just making straight cash flow on that. What is the gap, the wealth gap between black families and white families? Do you know? Um, do you have statistics on that? You know, I could definitely find some statistics. It is. It's a very um serious and extreme gap yes and it's hard because like like i said earlier a lot of white families are taught coming up that hey you know let's get you invested in mutual funds at five and you know they have that general generational wealth to pass down which we don't necessarily have Mm -hmm. um but just because we don't have it now doesn't mean it's not too late but it's really finding those opportunities to create wealth. So an example, real estate, like I talked about, is an example to create wealth. It's definitely not the only example, but if you're able to either have a renter or flip a home, that's a way to quickly create wealth. Um, long-term investing in the stock market, that's another way to create wealth. I mean, owning a business, that's great a way to create wealth as too. So there's, I mean, there are definitely lots of ways that we can start to create wealth now that we can pass down through our generations and through our family. Do you believe that's why it's so critical that we, you know, get our finances fit? You know, we get in shape because it's not really, it's bigger than us. You know, it's, it's bigger than us. It's, it's about, it's about our grandkids that's going to be born years from now. You know, it's, it's about, you know, the community. You know, I, I think um, that's one reason why it's so important that we reverse this curse of financial illiteracy. You know what I mean? Definitely. And and Jay-Z, didn't he say a while ago, like, 30 is the new 20? Which, okay, maybe in terms of having fun, 30 is the new 20. But that's 10 years you could have, quote-unquote, wasted while you're building wealth. Yeah. So our generation, whether it's black or white, we have a lot of student loan debt that our parents didn't have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we already are dealing with things that, you know, our parents didn't have to deal with. So waiting <laughs> is definitely not going to help things. So it's important to, you know, wake up. At least if you know, like, man, I don't have a budget. I'm spending too much money. You can fix it. 
would you rather fix it now and then work on your way to buying your first home by the end of the year or go out a whole year ignoring it and then realize, oh, man, I could have gotten it together. I spent money on, I don't know, Jays or Louis Vuitton purses when I could have been investing that money in my future. Mm-hmm. You know, you wish we should never tell people how to spend their money, you know what I mean? Because people are going to spend their money however, you know, they want to spend it because they earned it, right? However, it's like we have to make better decisions, though, you know, like – is this, you know, I see so many people that, you know, they take these extravagant vacations, you know, whether it be out of the country, in the country, um, but they're spending a lot of money. They can't really afford to spend, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like we rather look rich on social media as opposed to building that wealth and becoming rich. You know, why do we make so many poor decisions when it comes to spending our money? Why is that? You know, I think it's a couple of things, and it may be how uh, we were raised, so generational. Um, I know one thing that my mom used to always say is that when my grandma would get paid, she would always take her to get a new dress when she'd get paid. So it just became like a generational thing of, oh, it's payday, let me go buy something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so one thing is possibly generational. Um, I think we also don't believe in delayed gratification. <laughs> so it's it's we'd rather go now, do something now, than wait a little longer and see how the payoff is so much greater. So we'd rather go get this really nice apartment now and spend our money furnishing instead of, hey, let me maybe have a roommate for a little bit and save some money so that when I stack my money, I can buy a home. Um, so it's that delayed gratification, just not being afraid to wait until, you know, it's the right time. I used to be that person, you know, I'll be honest. Um, I used to um, not necessarily be taking trips, spending money I can't afford, but I used to spend money that I can't afford. You know, I used to spend uh-huh. money on things that wasn't important. And it, it wasn't until, you know, I had made the decision, like, you know what, I want to be rich, all right? I want to be rich. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire. I'm not going to get there with these spending habits that I have right now. I'm not going to get there with this uh, terrible credit score. You know, so again, it's back to what you said earlier at the beginning of the podcast. It's all about that mindset. Like, you know, not just saying I'm not broke, but just saying, what do I really want? What's more important to me? You know, um, is it the instant gratification or is it the delayed gratification? What's more important to me? And uh, fortunately, a lot of us, instant gratification is more important. Exactly. And you, you bring up a good point is uh, there was a book that I read last year that is called The Millionaire Next Door. So we think the millionaire next door is the one that has the flashy car, the huge house, that's a lawyer or a doctor. But turns out the average millionaire is not that. The average millionaire lives below their means, most importantly. They invest for the long term. A lot of them do have businesses and they work on self-development regularly. So whether that's, you know, reading or attending conferences and surrounding themselves with like-minded people, they regularly work on their wealth. So it honestly doesn't come even down to, oh, it's the lawyer or doctor because they could be a millionaire, but they also probably have a lot of student loan debt. And they also maybe are keeping up with that lifestyle inflation. So because I make six figures, that means I'm going to also spend close to six figures. Um, so it's just important to keep to what we were talking about earlier. So spending less than you earn, mm-hmm. having a budget, saving, and investing. When it comes to um, travel, so like we just made the comment about, you know, how people, you know, take these trips and, you know, they spend money that they can't 
afford. What about traveling? So, like, you know, you should treat yourself, no doubt. But, you know, how do you travel smart as opposed to just traveling and putting yourself in debt? That is a, a good question. When you mentioned people travel and take extravagant trips, I was actually laughing at myself because in December I went to Nigeria for one of my really good friends' wedding, which, I mean, that is a pretty big trip. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's that delayed gratification. So saying no to something to achieve what you want more importantly. So for me, for example, I've been wanting an Apple Watch so badly. I even want one now. But it's like I prefer to travel and spend my money on experiences than spend my money on things like an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So I love to eat out. But at the end of the day, if I want to buy a flight that's over $1,000, I cannot continue to eat out a lot. That's an easy way, at least in opinion depending on how much you spend on food food and and entertainment can be easy ways to cut your budget instead of eating out every day or eating out every other day take your lunch you can save a lot of money that way so it's really saying no to certain things so you can achieve more in the long run for you know traveling and just, just determining what's most important to you so for me traveling is important to me um whereas you know buying the fancy gadget is not and even having my house lavagantly like or extravagantly decorated you know that's not important to me experiences are more important to me man you know at the end of the day you you own property so you know making it you know super extravagant you know like say it's not a it's not a need right now because you have the investment already um i'm glad you mentioned the whole eating out thing too because that can really add up you know a lot of people don't understand that you know, eating at uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, or Cooper's Hawk, or you know what I'm saying? You know, it, it adds up, man. Like, people don't really understand how much eating out can really add up. That's a huge expense that I had. And that's something that I'm really about to cut back on in 2018 personally. Like, eating out is another bill. It is. And so that is why I love Mint.com because especially if you're a debit card swiper, like I am, it's hard to keep track of how much you're spending on money, but Mint.com will automatically categorize your expenses and say, oh, Wendy's, oh, McDonald's, oh, Subway. That's all eating out. So it'll do the math for you. If that was really an awakening I had about a year and a half ago because I was making a little more money, um, but I also was busy and stressed, so I wanted to celebrate and go out to, to eat more often. And I looked at my Mint.com and was like, I really could have be buying a plane ticket every month on my food spending. Wow. So Mint.com was an eye-opener for me because it's like, oh, you know, it's just $20 here, it's $20 there, but it automatically does the math for you. Wow, a plane ticket every month, that's, that's, that's a lot, but that's what I'm saying. You know, that eating out, it adds up without a doubt, um, without a doubt. So let's segue into business ownership, entrepreneurship now. So we talked a lot about, you know, just personal and individual um, financially fit uh, methods. What, what, what do you recommend for entrepreneurs, particularly, you know, the, the startup entrepreneur, the one-man, one-woman business? Like, what do you recommend some ways on how they can really get over their financial hump and increase revenue, you know, decrease expenses and things like that? Great, great question. So one thing I want to say, I know we don't like the new president all he stands for but in terms of people who are business owners this is a brilliant time because there are a lot of things with the tax cut that was recently passed um, that will help business owners so 
this is a good time for you to take advantage of some deductions um, that you maybe couldn't have taken advantage in previous years. So that's already a good starting on your side. Um, so secondly, I actually read a book that uh, small business owners may enjoy. I just finished reading it. It's called Profit First. Um, so it really has you take a hard look at your business expenses. Of course, we know it's important to scale, but we have to scale at the right time. You know, if we're scaling and investing in uh, so much that we don't have any profit, then we're not a profitable business, and maybe we 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 can't continue this way. Um, so the book is called Profit First, and really determining you know what are those activities that truly have the highest return on investment. You know, wh what has a good return on investment? What can you cut out in your business that really is adding up? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but there are things that I did in the beginning where I'm like, man, I don't have time to do that now. But just because you don't have time to do it doesn't mean you should charge or be charged an arm and a leg to for your time. Yeah. You said the book is called Profit First? Yes, it's Pro called Profit First. And it does focus on like accounting methods. Um, but the key takeaway from the book is that Focus on your profit. <laughs> profit is your number one thing. Like if your expenses are super high, um, you really need to analyze and see see where your money is going. And it's by a guy's name is Mike Mekalowicz. So I'm sure we can put that in the the link uh, of the show. Absolutely. But yeah, profit first. Profit first. Let's dive into these into this new tax plan a little bit and how it can actually benefit uh, small businesses. So like what. What, what are like the details, um, some of the details that could really benefit us so some of the listeners out there can really, you know, get a head start on that? Sure. So if you aren't an LLC, you may, if you're just like a sole proprietor, you may want to consider um, turning yourself into an LLC. Um, that was something that I did before the end of 2017 because, I mean, one of the biggest things in overall Trump when he was running is that he believes a way to stimulate the economy is to give companies tax breaks um, so that they can, you know, have more money to hire more people and that will stimulate the economy. So if you're currently working as like a sole proprietor, you may want to consider, I can't give you tax advice, but you may want to consider turning yourself into an LLC. Um, so that it's one way to make your after-tax income rise because you can pass through some of your like tax liability through your business. Um, so definitely, if you have like a tax advisor that you work with, talk to them about how the changes to the tax law will affect you and your business. Um, I know previously I was doing a lot of work as a freelancer, um, and freelancers aren't going to be looked at as favorably uh, in terms of their tax situation as an LLC. That's huge, actually. That's very huge. And Illinois, I know you're based out of Indiana, but Illinois just recently lowered their LLC prices from $600 to $150. So now it's going to be a lot, you know, affordable for people to really make that step and, you know, start their, organize their, their business as an LLC. Before it was pretty steep. I felt, I, I believe Illinois was the most expensive state in the country. When you double that with that, uh, with the tax plan benefits, you know, the Basically, the opportunity is there for entrepreneurs to really increase their income. Exactly. Even in Indiana, it's less than $100 to file as an LLC. So it's really something that you may want to consider because it will uh, make a difference in the long run when it comes to file your taxes. And when it comes to like filing taxes, you know, a lot of business owners, well, small business owners, 
you know, they get intimidated by that as well, you know, because they don't know what can be tax deductible and what can't be tax deductible. What are some common things that can be tax deductible for a business? You know, there are lots of things that can be tax deductible for a business. Um, it's super important that you save your receipts. Say, save those yes. receipts because when you're having those business meetings at Starbucks or um, even uh, I, on my trip that I mentioned earlier, one of the guys that went, he actually did a presentation on the trip so he could write off part of his vacation because he gave a presentation on the trip. Oh, wow. So it's really important that you have a good tax accountant. Um, even if you're like, oh, man, this this might cost too much. Ask around to friends, hey, do you know anyone that can help out? Um, because, yeah, like gas is something that can oftentimes be written out. Um, meals, some of your other home expenses, if you do business within your home, can be written off. So what else, Tia, you know, should we know? as far as like getting our finances in shape um going forward like entrepreneur individual what what else what are some other things we should know uh, we already talked about the mindset we talked about saving you know the investment the budgeting what else is it in because finance is so huge you know it could be it could be overwhelming um what are some other things that we need to know you know, I think one of the most important things going into 2018 is to invest in yourself and in your business. So by investing in yourself and your business, that doesn't mean you have to even spend money, but that means taking time to learn something new and to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So whether that means, you know, listening to podcasts where you can learn something new, reading blogs where you can learn something new, um, taking courses. So for example, I... Um, one way that I make money through my website is through affiliate marketing. So when you click on a link, it may be free to you, but I earn a commission. Um, I took a course by a woman who makes over $140,000 a month on affiliate marketing. And at first I was like, man, do I want to spend money on this course? But I heard all these testimonials. And just from her course, I was able to quadruple my affiliate marketing income in one month. Wow. So just figuring out how you can invest in yourself that really makes sense. Um, one thing that courses is a big thing that I did into 2017. In 2018, I plan on really investing in myself in conferences. But with courses, conferences, any investment you're making, make sure that you, you have the return on investment for one and you make use of it. Mm -hmm. So going to a conference, yeah, ooh, I can go to a conference. It's in Vegas. But are you really learning something new? Are you making right. connections? Are you networking? Or are you just going for a vacation? Because right. if so, you could save your money. That's not an investment in yourself or your business absolutely i'm so glad you said it because you know a lot of people go to conferences you know i actually had this conversation the other day a lot of people go to conferences or you know these seminars but they're not taking anything from it you know like you mm -hmm. said they, they treat it like a vacation and it's like dude you're hustling backwards you know you just paid this money to go to this conference to you know hear these uh speakers who have generated millions of dollars and succeeded in this and that and network but you haven't you didn't get anything from it, you know, so what was the point, you know, um, so I'm real glad that you mentioned that, I really am, uh, that has to stop in 2018 for a lot of people, a lot of people. Exactly, and same with courses, a popular business coach I follow, she basically said stop buying courses that you don't finish, so mm, wow. same as stop buying books that you don't finish, and, and I understand maybe, maybe it's not for you. But if a book is not for you, give it to someone else who it can be good for. Mm -hmm. Like, figure out how we can help each other and really grow. 
So, Tia, how can we get in contact with you? If anybody out there is listening, you know, wants to follow up with you or follow the blog and things like that, how can they get in contact with you? Wonderful. So, really, the, the main way you can get in contact with me is just go to the website, financiallyfitandfab.com. On the website, there's links to my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube account. There's also a free three-day challenge for you to quick start your finances in the new year, and it's found right on the homepage. So, yeah, just head over to the website. I'd love to hear from you if you have questions more specifically about your situation. You know, I really just love to help people, and one of my goals in 2018 is to reach more people and help more people. That's why I'm so glad I got to talk to you guys today to really start your finances on the right foot for 2018. Impact year. That's that's my model for 2018 impact you know creating more of an impact reaching more people changing more lives and uh that's definitely what you're doing right now um Tia. so is it anything what's the last thing you would like to say to everybody out there in regards to their finances so the last thing i want to say which is because it's january is to make sure those you know the positive mindset and the goals you're thinking about you know write them down And it may seem so simple, but whether you do a vision board or you write down your goals, just write them down because it's it's such a beautiful thing to either look back in a month and say, man, I I crushed it or look back in a month and say, man, I got to get to work. Let me ask some questions. Let me see what I need to do. But make sure you write your goals down, whether the goal is to follow a budget, to save, to invest, write the goals down because that truly helps you accomplish it in the long run. Write everything down so you can see it and you can achieve it. Powerful words from Tia Chambers. Thank you very much for joining us this week on a Monday Conversation. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to, to be with you. Thank you so much. So everybody out there listening, let's continue to work. Let's continue to imagine reality and let's make it happen. And let's be financially fit in 2018. Have a great day.